morning. Uh, we're glad that you're here this morning, and I'm excited about the journey that we are about to embark on over the next several weeks. Uh, actually, the series that we're about to start in just right now is a series that we've been talking about, I've been talking about for, um, I don't know, maybe maybe over a year now, and trying to develop it and figure out where we want to go with this. And really, the whole goal of this series, Red Thread, is that, that we would be able to see the thread goes throughout all of history, a thread that begins in, the, in the, the very beginning and a thread that goes out all the way to present. And here's the thread. The thread is God's love for humanity, God's purpose for humanity, but most importantly, God's plan to rescue humanity. And we're going to begin that journey and trying to see that because if you think about it, I mean, in the, the the, the idea that sometimes we read scripture and we, we feel like this is separated from that and what my goal is and our goal is that we were able to read scripture and realize there's a continuity to scripture. There's a thread from the book of Genesis that goes all the way through present and that's the love of God, the purpose of God and God's plan to rescue. Now the reason we call it red thread and because most of us know this, is that the best way, that, the ultimate way that God demonstrated his love for us, and the only way God could truly redeem and rescue fallen man was by sending his son as a blood sacrifice to die on a cross. Amen? You already know that. Now here's the thing I want you to know about that. That all of history, the Old Testament, all of the Old Testament points us to that moment. All the Old Testament foreshadows that moment of not just the birth and the life, but the death and the resurrection of Jesus. All the Old Testament is driving us to that moment in history, and all the New Testament is helping us go back and see that moment in history. All of history revolves around three days. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It's those three days that changed everything. And so in this series, Argo, this red thread, is all about us tracing the, the love of God, the purpose of God, and God's plan to redeem and to rescue humanity. And that thread begins in no other place but in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn there with me, Genesis 1, verse 1. And as we go through this, now, now brace yourself for a moment. This series... We're going to do something we've never done before. This series will take us all the way through Christmas. And some of you are like, oh my gosh. No, 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 no. That's what Sonia said. She's like, what? And so, so it's going to take us through Christmas and maybe even beyond that. Because ultimately, I want us to get a picture starting at the beginning of time all the way through the Old Testament to the point where when Christmas comes, we're able to shout and go, hope did arrive. What they were anticipating, what they were waiting for, what all of history was driving me toward happened in a manger. But it didn't stop in a manger. That young boy eventually became a man who went to a cross and he rose again on the third day. So this journey is going to take us down a long path, but I'm excited to go down this path. And this path begins in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. It says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Here's what he says. In the beginning, the earth was formless, and it was void, right? That's what he said. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless, and the earth was void. There's two Hebrew words. I love saying them just because they're funny to say. The two Hebrew words for formless and void, void. the first word is tohu. Everybody say tohu. 
Okay, that was, that's pretty good, actually. Tohu, and literally what it means is not just formlessness, but to have no boundaries, to have no structure. And, and obviously, formless. There is no boundaries, there is no structure. So when God created the heavens and the earth, when he looked at the earth, what he saw was formlessness. Something without boundaries and something without structure. But also the second word is the word bohu. Everybody say bohu. bohu. And it means to be void or to be filled with emptiness. Now, what you think about this for a minute? God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was tohu wabohu, meaning it was formless, it, was, it, was, it had no shape, it had no boundaries, and it was empty, it was void. Now, think with me just for a minute. When something has no shape, when something has no form, when something has no structure, and then you couple it with this emptiness, here's what you get, chaos, Right? That translates even to our life. We can see that, right? We'll get to that in a minute. But it, 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 it's a picture of chaos. And so, in fact, the best way to summarize verse 1 and 2 is to say this, that in the beginning, there was chaos, right? In the beginning, there was chaos. There was formlessness and a void. Now, I want to pause there because as we go through this amazing series I'm so excited about, I want us to find ourselves throughout the series. And here's a place. And what I mean is this, is that so many times for us, that when we try to live our life with no boundaries, no structure, no form, and here's what I mean, we're living outside the structure of God's word, we're living outside the boundaries that God has created for us, and we're letting sin reign and rule in our lives. When we live that kind of life, that we are tohu, we are without structure, without form, without boundaries, and then you couple it with that sense sometimes we have that life is meaningless and emptiness and we're always looking for more. When you couple those two things together and we live that way, our life, we experience chaos. Right? Right? I mean, you know that when you live and let sin reign and rule in your life and you don't live by the standards and the boundaries God has established, there's that moment somewhere in that life you feel like, there's got to be something more to this thing. I just had this sense of emptiness, a void, like something's missing. And when you take those two things together, here's the best description of your life, spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. Chaos. And I think if some of us were really transparent this morning, you would just simply say this, Doug, that's a beautiful picture of my life right now. My life is in chaos, Maybe it's because I'm not living according to the structure and the boundaries God has created. Maybe it's because there's something in me that feels this sense of emptiness and void, like something's missing in my life. But Doug, you hit the nail on the head. My life is a picture of chaos, out of control. Here's what I want to say to you today. Listen to me. God doesn't want you to stay there. That was never God's intent for you. God's intent for this earth was never for it to stay Tohu wabohu. God's intent was never for this earth to stay shapeless, formless, without boundaries and structures, and empty. And that's why the story goes on. Listen to these verses. Verse 3 says this. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Verse 6. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And then later it says, and it was so. Verse 9, and God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. 
And it was so, verse 11, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees, bearing fruit in which there is seed, each according to its kind on earth. And it was what? So, you're getting the point here, right? Verse 14, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let there be signs for the seasons and the days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was what? So, verse 20, and God said, let the waters swarm, the swarms of living creatures, let the birds fly above the, across the expanse of the heavens. And was so, verse 24, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to the kinds of livestock and creepy things and beasts of the earth according to the kinds. And it was what? So, are you getting the picture here? Right? God said it and it was what? So, it happened. Now, what I love about this is, is that there's this earth that is loaded with chaos. There's no boundaries. There's no structure. There, there is emptiness, much like some of our lives. And in the face of chaos, God creates. Please don't miss that. In the midst of craziness, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of nothingness, God just creates. Why do you, can you do that? Because he's God. Right? And look what he creates. I just listened to him. He created light. Let there be light. And there was light. He creates the heavens, the, the, what we would call the atmosphere and those things. He creates crops and he creates lands. He creates seasons. He creates a sun and a moon, a greater light and a lesser light so we can know the days and nights. He creates sea creatures and he creates all living creatures. He spoke all of this into existence. Seven times he says, let there be, and it was so. so. Are, get that? I mean, it is crazy to me that God spoke and it happened. Now, just real quick, what does that say about our God? What does that say about him? Does that not say that we serve an omnipotent God, that we serve a God that is all-powerful? Yeah. Does it not say that we serve a God that has supreme authority over everything? Yeah, it does. I mean, the fact that God spoke and it was is amazing. Now, here's why I love these verses, and please don't miss this. Because God spoke order into chaos. Please don't miss that. Yes, God created, but God spoke order into chaos. Let there be, and it was so. How many school teachers do I have in the room? Let me see your hands. Come on. Or in yeah, a lot of you. Wouldn't it be awesome if you had that kind of power in your classroom? <laughs> Let there be silence, and it was so, right? I mean, wouldn't that be awesome if you had that kind of power to possess? I mean, or let's just take it with the kids, right? If you got kids, you said, and let there be a clean room, or let there be teeth that are brushed, and let there be showers that are taken, and it was so. Wouldn't that be awesome if that happened? And what we find out is in those moments with your teacher or parent, we don't have as much power as we wish we had, right? We can say it all day long, but very seldom is it followed with, and it was so, right? God spoke. And it was so. In the midst of chaos, God spoke order into that chaos. And let me tell you why that's huge for us today. There's some of us in the room whose lives are nothing shy of chaotic. We're living beyond the boundaries and the structure that God has established for us. 
We feel like there's an emptiness and a void that's inside of us. And I just want you to know this. God still speaks order into chaos. And if you feel like your life is chaotic, listen to me. God still speaks order into your chaos. Well, how does he do it, Doug? He does it through the word. Get it? Speak word. Through the word of God. This is how God speaks order into your chaos. So whatever area of your life you feel like is in great chaos or great confusion, you can go to God's word and find his word and let it speak to your situation and speak to your chaos. And some of you say, well, Doug, you know what? You you have no idea the kind of chaos that I faced. You're right, I don't. But here's what I do know. Your chaos is not too big for my God to handle. It's not. Just look at creation formlessness, void. And he said, let there be, and it was? That's power. And if you will let his word speak into your life and into your circumstance and into your chaos, you will experience the power of God like you've never experienced before in your life. But here's the question. See, when God spoke into chaos, here's one thing I love about this and it just kind of blows my mind to think about. When God spoke into chaos... Chaos responded and yielded to God's word, didn't it? The chaos of the earth didn't go, no, nah, I don't think that we need light today. The chaos didn't say, no, you know what? I don't think we really need sea creatures because they're kind of creepy anyway. I mean, that's not what happened. God spoke into chaos, and chaos responded by yielding to the words of God. Here's the question. God is willing to speak into the chaos of your life through his word. Your chaos is not too big for him to handle, but here's the question. Will you be willing to listen to respond and to yield to his words. That's where it gets tough, right? See, some of you walked in the room with a life of chaos and you're gonna leave with a life of chaos. You know why? Because at some point you're gonna decide I'm not going to respond and I'm not gonna yield to the truth and the power of God's word that he wants to speak into my life. Now, there's some of you, because you're way smarter than me, you'll say this, well, Doug, I just don't know where to go. Well, awesome, we got tons of people in this room that do. I would love to point you in the right direction. We have small group leaders and elders and and leaders in this church that would love to point you in the right direction. Don't let your lack of knowledge keep you from seeking out the word of God to speak truth into your chaos. But will you do it? Now see, I love this early part of this story, these few verses, because it reminds me that even here, I begin to see the red thread of God's rescue for all humanity. In essence, if you think about it, God rescued earth. He rescued it from chaos, from formlessness, and from emptiness. And one of the ways that God rescues us is by speaking words into our chaos. And I hope you see that even here in the creation story. Also in the creation story, we see God's love and his purpose for humanity. I want you to notice with me, first of all, God's love for humanity. Verse 26 and 27, it says this. Then God said... Let's make man in our image. Now, I'm just going to tell you, man, we could go a lot of places with this passage right here, all right? If you're if you that person in the room that's always wrestled with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there's a ton of scripture that, I mean, God just didn't say to himself, hey, self, I think we ought to do this. There is three in one. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they weren't just present at the life of Christ. They've been present since the beginning of time. Amen. And he says, let us create man in our likeness or our image 
And let's make them dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over all the creepy things that creep on earth. So God created man in his own image. The image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. Now let me just tell you this. We see this thread of God's love for humanity in the fact that God created Adam and Eve. Now I'm a why guy. Any, anybody else in the room a why person? You always got to ask why. Okay, there's three of us. All right, the rest of you are just satisfied and content. I'm never satisfied. Travis, you're obviously never satisfied. I love to ask the question why. So I'm thinking, okay, if you're this supreme, omnipotent, sovereign God, why in the world would you create man? Did you get bored? Were you sitting in heaven and the three of you thought, hey, you know what? We, we need something else. We're a little bored. We've got angels, but that's not working out very well. So, you know, we need to, I mean, was God bored? Was God alone? Well, the answer to that is no. But Isaiah 43, 7 tells us exactly why God created man. Let's throw it up on the screen. Isaiah 43, 7. Everyone is called by my name who I created for who? For my glory. Now listen to me. Why did God create mankind? For his glory. Now that really cleared it up, didn't it? Right? You're like, okay, awesome, my glory. What does that mean? Listen, God created mankind to glorify him. How do we glorify God? One way is we worship God. Two weeks ago, we spent two weeks on a, a short series on worship, talking about being in the presence of God and participating. One of the ways that we glorify God is by worshiping, ascribing worth to him. The words we sing aren't just shallow words. They are truth that we shouldn't just sing, but we should declare from the bottom of our hearts and worship him. One way we glorify him by worshiping him. Another way we glorify God is by living for him. By living as light in a dark world. But let me give you another way that we glorify God. And that's by embracing and enjoying a personal relationship with him. Do you think God delights in being in a relationship with you? Have you ever thought about that? I would say he does. The psalmist even kind of got it right when he says, who am I that you're even mindful of me? Meaning, I'm celebrating that you're mindful of me. I don't get it. I don't know why, because I'm wretched, I'm pitiful, I'm pathetic, I blow it, I don't deserve you. But who am I that you're even mindful of me, God? But I thank you for that. See, one way we glorify him is by enjoying and embracing and growing in our relationship with him. See, the fact that God created Adam and Eve is a reminder of how much God loves us. And you would just simply say, okay, well, how's just the mere fact that God created Adam and Eve a reminder that God loves us? Well, because how he created us. He didn't create us like any other creation. It says he created us in the image of God. Now, please hear me this morning, because this just totally jacks up all of evolution right now. We were not created in any other fashion, like any other creation. We were created, and the only part of creation that was created in the image of God. The sea creatures were not created in the image of God. They weren't, the amoebas were not created in the image of God. Apes were not created in the image of God. Mankind was created in the image, the imago dei, the image of God. That's what separates all of mankind from all the rest of creation. We've been created in the image of God. So what does that mean? Now, we could talk a long time. There's a lot of theology on this, but let me just simplify it by saying this. To be a created image of God means this. To be created to be like him. Now, do you look like God? I sure hope not. 
Right? You hope I don't look like God, right? So what does it mean to be like him? God is moral, isn't he? He's a moral being. God is a spiritual being. And God is an eternal being. Please hear me. You are a moral creature. You have a moral conscience. God has given us the ability to know right from wrong. We are spiritual beings. We have a soul and we are eternal beings. We will live for eternity somewhere, either in heaven with Christ or apart from him in a horrible place called hell. So when it says we're creating the imago dei, the image of God, it means we are created to be like him. We are moral, we are spiritual, and we are eternal. But it also means to be created to represent him. Guess who God chose to be his representation on this earth? Wasn't a giraffe, right? Wasn't a giraffe, wasn't a flower. It was mankind. It was humanity. And I just want you to kind of get this, because we could spend all day on this point, but I want you to kind of get this. The fact that God created Adam and Eve, he created all of mankind in his image to be like him and to represent him is a beautiful picture of the love that God has for all humanity. And even in this simple let us create man in our image is a beautiful reminder and it shows us the thread of how God loves all of humanity. But there's one more thread I want you to see and it's a thread that God has purpose for humanity. Look with me in verse 28 through 31, the very end of chapter one. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the living things that move on earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food and it was so. Notice, I've given you everything. Verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening and morning in the sixth day. Now, in this passage, we see, we see the thread that God has a purpose for humanity. What does God do? He blesses man. He blesses man with responsibility. Listen to me, even before the fall, God gave man responsibility. You know that man was always supposed to work in the garden? Do you know that? He was always supposed to work. He always had responsibility, but it just wasn't by the sweat of his brow until after the fall. I mean, God blessed them and gave them purpose by giving them responsibility. Now, what was their responsibility? To be fruitful and to multiply and to subdue the earth and have dominion over it, right? That was their responsibility, to be fruitful and to multiply. Now, later on, God would give them, that wasn't their only responsibility, but God knew, hey, I've got two people. I got a lot of space. I need a lot more people. So be fruitful and multiply, right? Come on, we, we're all on the same page with this, right? It had to happen. It happened again after the flood, right? I mean, it's that kind of mindset. But here's the thing. That wasn't the only responsibility God gave man. As the Old Testament goes on, God gives man more and more responsibility. See, that responsibility reminds us we have purpose, that God gives us responsibility. But he also blessed them with authority. He said, I want you to rule over and have dominion over this earth, you have jurisdiction over everything. Wouldn't it have been awesome? Come on, come on. Wouldn't it have been awesome if you're Adam and Eve 
All right, I think I'm going to call that a rhinoceros. That sounds pretty good for me right there. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome that they had such dominion? They were telling us all the, I mean, if you wondered why something was so weird, it's probably Adam and Eve's fault because they're the ones that got to name things. I mean, they got to pick out things. I mean, they had total dominion over everything. God gave them the purpose of, yes, responsibility, but also of authority. But God also blessed them with provision. He said, listen, everything I've created, listen, come on, hear this. Everything I've created is for you, to take care of you, to provide for you. Whatever you need, the seeds, hey, it's for you. Hey, the creatures, whatever you want to do, it's, 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 it's for you. See, even in this passage where God says, hey, be fruitful and multiply, and everything belongs to you, it's a reminder that there's a thread through Scripture that God has a purpose for humanity. God has a purpose for us to be responsible with what God has given us and to have authority and to use our authority to, uh, to, to really glorify and to honor God. And then I love how the passage ends and says, and then it was very good. See, everywhere else in Genesis 1, it says, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. But after God created man, what did he say? It is very good. You said, Doug, why does that matter? Because very is way more, is way better, more better. That's pitiful grammar, but it's way better, way better than just good. You know what he's saying? I'm pleased. I'm satisfied. I'm pleased. Now, I know when we come to Genesis 1, there's a lot of angles and a lot of things we could talk about. But what I hope that we see is that through the story of creation, there is a thread, a thread that shows us the plans that God has to rescue humanity. The thread that shows us the love that God has for humanity and the thread that shows us that God has a purpose for humanity. When we come to Genesis 1, you probably have never looked at Genesis 1 the way that we're talking about this morning. But I just want to be able to come to it and help you and help me see that there's a thread that goes through it and it begins in Genesis 1. The thread of rescue, the thread of how God has purpose, and the thread that God loves humanity. And here's why I'm laboring it. Because if this is true in Genesis 1, it is still true today. Because God is unchangeable. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if this was the plan and the heart of God, and Genesis 1, some 8,000 plus years ago, whatever it is, if this, if this is the heart of God, and the plan of God, and the desire of God, and Genesis 1, it is still the plan of God, it is still the heart of God, and it's still the desire of God. Here's what I mean. This is still true for us today. It is true that he still wants to speak order into your chaos. So maybe your chaos is your finances. Maybe your chaos is your marriage. Maybe your chaos is finding your place in life. Maybe your chaos is parenting. Whatever your chaos is, he has a word out of his word for you. But you need to find it. You need to be on a journey to discover it. Because he's still willing to speak order into chaos. But if you're not going to put an effort out there, you're going to miss it. And you're going to continue to stay in chaos. It's also true that like Adam and Eve, you were created by God. Now, please hear me this morning. You were created by God. Did you notice that in the creation story, there was only one thing that God created that he didn't speak it into existence? What was it? Mankind. One thing that God didn't just speak and so it was so. 
In fact, if you read Genesis 2, which is a summary kind of Genesis 1 with a little bit of a different twist on it, God actually fashions man, right? And he breathes into the nostril of man. Listen, you have been created by God. Psalms 139 says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, that you knit me together in my mother's womb, that God is a craftsman, and you are the craftsmanship and the workmanship of God. You weren't just spoken into existence. You were crafted and molded and shaped by the hand of the Almighty. And that is significant because it reminds us of how much he loves you, how much he cares for you, and how valuable you are to him. You were created by God. But it's also true that God has a purpose for our lives. That our purpose is not just to show up and do nothing or go to work and do nothing. The purpose that God has for us is to take the things that he's given us and to deal with them responsibly. And the areas where we have authority, to do it responsibly, to do it in a way that is honoring to him. Now here's the point of this series, and I want you to kind of walk away this morning with this. The point of the series is just on one hand to see the threat of rescue, to see the threat of love, to see the threat of purpose. But for me, the most important reason for the series is to remind you that God's inviting you into his story, right? Sometimes I read scripture and I go, oh man, wouldn't it be awesome if God moved like that today? And quickly I'm reminded he will. And what's to say he won't? And as you read scripture, sometimes we look at it from just a knowledge standpoint. Oh, I'm learning something about God. But listen to me, when you read the Bible, there's got to be a new lens that we read it through. We've got to read it understanding that this is true of God then, it's true of God today, and he's still inviting us to be part of his grand story of redemption, his grand story of rescue. He's inviting us to be part of that. You know, for the last couple of weeks, really for the last three, four months, our home has been inundated with wedding invitations. Anybody else is like, this is the season for, right? Anybody else? Okay, just me. All right, anyway, so we've been inundated. So like in the last three weeks or four weeks, we've been to two weddings, and we've got two or three more coming up. And you think about when you get a wedding invitation, why do you get a wedding invitation? Now, now just come on, don't, don't be devil's advocate. Go, well, because they feel like they had to send me one. That's not what I mean. They're sending you one. Why? Because they want you to join them in the journey they're about to embark on. Right? We want you to be here to be part of the journey we are about to start as a new married couple. And I'm just telling you today, God has an invitation for all of us. He wants us to join in and to be a part of his story. He wants us to join in and he wants us to be rescued from the chaos that's ravaging our lives. But we've got to get in his word. We've got to make a commitment to seek his word out to find the answers to the chaos I'm going through. He's inviting us to experience his love. Maybe you're here today and you've never trusted Christ. You've never put your faith in him. Listen to me. He's inviting you to trust him and to let you know that he wants you to partake of the love that he's offering you. But he's also inviting us to commit to living a life of purpose for him. I'm just going to be real honest. There's a lot of believers, and I would be including this, that too many times find ourselves being a fan of Jesus and not following Jesus. We find ourselves in the stands, cheering on, maybe criticizing, but very rarely we find ourselves on the field in the game doing the work. 
See, God has a purpose for you, and some of you aren't using your spiritual gifts. Some of you aren't using your talents and your abilities for the kingdom of God, and God is inviting you into his story to use what he's given you responsibly for his glory. But here's the question. Will you do it? Will you say, God, I want to be part of your grand story of redemption? Now, I know it's not going to be chronicled through a Bible, but I was thinking, you know, if, if, if my life... If I could turn to the book of Doug, and there's not one, but if I could turn to it, what would my story, if it was placed in this book, what would it read like? What would my story, if it was in, you know, in the Bible, like right in the middle, you know, you know, somewhere in the middle, the story of Doug, if my story was in here, how would my story read? Would it read that this guy, man, he loved God, he lived for God, and he was passionate about God? Or would it read like I probably suspect it would read that this guy was a fair-weather follower of Jesus? And I'm just telling you, God's inviting all of us into his story because somebody's watching us. Somebody's noticing what we claim to believe and how we're living our lives. And I'm just saying today, if your life is loaded with chaos, maybe today in a moment as we sing, you need to cry out to God and go, would you speak into my chaos? Would you point me to a passage that will address the chaos that I'm going through? Or if you're here today, say, you know what, uh, God, I, 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 just, I don't want you just to speak to me, God, but I want you to move in me. I want you to remind me of how much you love me, and I want to partake of that because I want to trust Jesus as my Savior. Maybe that's what you needed today. Or maybe you just need to decide that God has a purpose for you, and we've not been living up to that. And today, we're going to commit, saying, God, I want you to use me. Not just here at church on Sunday. But every day of every day, wherever you send me, use me. So I don't know what commitment you need to make today, but here's what I do know. God's inviting us. Every week, you're going to hear me say this. God's inviting us to be part of his story. Will we do it? Let's stand together as we pray. Let's stand with me. Father, I love you. And I know we, we just begin a journey today. But God, and I know that if we talk about creation, sometimes we... We've heard messages and we read it and we focus on what was created and, and the order and, you know, is it a 24-hour day? We focus on that stuff. But God, I pray today that, that, that maybe for the first time that we've been able to see that there's a beginning thread, a thread how you have a heart to rescue, and we're going to see that better next week, but to rescue humanity, a thread of how you love humanity, and a thread of how you have a purpose for humanity. And God, if it was true then, we've got to understand it's true today. You love us. You have a purpose for us. And if we don't know you as Savior, you want to rescue and redeem us. So God, I just pray today for all the people in the room that if we're here and chaos is raging, we would ask you just to speak into our chaos. Speak order into our chaos. Our God, if we're here today and we're feeling lost and alone and, and, and like we don't matter in this world, that you remind us of your love for us and that maybe today we would partake of that. Maybe today we would trust Jesus as our Savior. Our God, I pray for that believer today that spent way too much time being a fa follower, a fan, and not a follower. That we would come out of the bleachers, get out of the stands, and make a commitment today to be used by you like never before. God, would you just move in our hearts today? Would you just move in our lives today? And would you touch us in a powerful way? For it's in your precious and your glorious son's name we pray. Amen.
Amen. And you know, today, maybe you need to make a decision. Maybe you want to come and you just want to pray. You want to pray and say, God, speak to my chaos. Or God, show me your love for me. Or God, I'm committing to really being used by you. Or maybe you just need to pray with somebody. I'm going to ask our small group leaders, if you just, the, those that are going to be here tonight, just move around the edges of the room. Maybe you need to go and you just need to pray with someone. Today, please don't leave this place not understanding this. God's inviting you into the story. Will you be a part of it? Or will you walk out going, no, I don't think I need to be. That would be a sad day today. So however you need to respond as we sing, would you do that? Let's worship together.